For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. here again another episode of believe in kentucky on the believe podcast network the number one podcast network for professionals alongside double zero the nba vet the 96 champ tony Delk. my name is Vinny hardy what's happening td ph what's good man another day man we're uh closer to christmas christmas eve then it's christmas so i'm i'm excited not for myself but i'm excited for my kids you know what i'm saying as a as, as a as an old man, you know, and as a dad, we only get that one gift. So, you know, hey, it is what it is. That's it. That's it. Yeah. A, pair, a pair of socks and some underwear, oh, ugly tie, colorful tie. I'm like, man, they, these kids don't care about their daddies, man. I don't know what's up with that. That old Ronnie Dangerfield, man. No respect. No respect, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, man, we, we got – all kinds of stuff to talk about, but I got to start off with a couple of a couple of my bads first of all, because last week you know we had to pivot. We had we had John T. John T. Edge in here talking about Brownsville, and then we talked about the Cats struggling after that, and I was still thinking they were going to be playing UCLA, and it turns out they switched from UCLA to North Carolina. So that was my bad. I missed it. We was recording. I didn't even know it. We were sitting there talking yeah. about UCLA and. So my bad on that. I missed it. And uh, well, to, to be honest, which is to be honest, which has been that kind of season, man, with <laughs> with council games and you know, you think about UCLA having to travel all the way across uh, across country. You don't want to put those kids at risk. I mean, it's already a risk factor as it is, and to put them on a plane and fly them all the way here. I, I you know, I thought it was good that they made that change to a, a closer region and a team that, you know, we're very familiar with. We played in the past and had a short rival with them uh, my couple of years there at Kentucky. But it made sense um, geographically for the travel. And, you know, I like I said, watching our team, you know, we look good in spurts. You know, we haven't been able to put it all together. And a lot of that comes from, from you. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like we expecting after six games, you know, this team to be this juggernaut. I, I think it's going to come in time where we're going to see improvement. But uh, we have a lot of work ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And some of it, I mean, it's, it is what it is because they – one in five, this the, the first time they've been one in five since 1926-27. Adolph Rupp wasn't even the coach Good yet. Lord. Hold, hold on, man. You said how, how long has it been? The last time Kentucky basketball started one and five, it was 1926-27 season. Basil Hayden was the coach, and now they, they got a bourbon named after him. He's more known for his bourbon than he was for <laughs> coaching. 
<laughs> oh man, that that's crazy. Cause I, I'm just thinking like my dad was eight years old then. <laughs> so I'll let you know how long ago, man, how long ago that was. But you know, man, like watching them play, um, you know, like I said, we just gotta, you know, we don't have a leader right now. And, you know, shooting comes and goes. Um, what's gonna really help us out is if, you know, we talked about this on other podcasts and just who who's gonna make the game easier for a teammate? And you have to have good point guards to kind of know what they're doing, what their roles are, and how they can help our team. You know, so really just trying to define that position, you know, and to figure out man who's gonna who's gonna lead the cast. I don't know right now. You know, I, I think everyone looked at DJ Boston as being a player that's gonna come in and you know he's gonna light it up, but he doesn't play the position of point guard. To me, I think what's made Coach Cal such a great coach for so many years, he's always, always had really good point guard play. And we're kind of missing that this year. And you and everybody knows, and and we we have said, look, we sound like a broken record every week because it's kind of the same problems every week. You mentioned Askew is reclassifying and classing up and supposed to be in, in high school. And you could see it. You know, he he would pick up his dribble and no man's uh-huh. running. He'd get to the lane and have a floater, and he would be looking to pass instead of looking to score, yeah. all kind of stuff like that. He had a good – look, it's hard to find positives. He played good against North Carolina. He had 12, 4, and 3. Right. Kind of seeing him turn a corner. Uh, they interviewed Darren Collison. He worked out with him in California a lot. And and Darren the whole time has been like, look, he's going to get it. And he's not buckling under all this noise. And when he gets it, all this talk about how he's struggling to be a thing in the past. So he might be starting to turn the corner at the point guard because TD, man, he's, the turnovers are a problem. Then yes. you – you got these scoring droughts. You go four minutes, seven minutes, nine minutes. You don't even get a bucket. You can't. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's it's tough to watch it, but it's tough to know you can't throw the ball to someone and say, "Man, in this drought." You know, I don't know who you can throw the ball to and say, "Hey, man, in this drought, go get us a bucket." And you know, back to the point guard when you when you lose a, a quickly, Hagen, and Maxi. I mean, it's you know. Those are really, really good point guards, you know, where you look at, you know, Ashton, come ago, you know, he still was solid at that position. He would have brought you leadership, you know, he would have brought you a veteran presence. And it's missed. And when you're trying to go with a a kid that reclassifies, you know, he has to be, you know, above and beyond the best player in this class, you know, especially when you come to Kentucky is, you know, we – Right now, we don't have time. You know, like, like we need guys that can play immediately. Like, we don't have time to wait another four or five games for us to go one, one and nine or two and two and ten to be like, you know, before you know it, it's going to be, you know, conference play already going to be started. And and next thing you know, you know, you we don't know how many games are going to cancel. They might have a shortened season. They're going to look at, okay, they're going to start looking at records. And if your record three and I don't care, three and 15 or whatever, let's say, Let's say we come out to be 10 and 12. I don't know what our, our outcome is going to be. But that, that's not a resume for NCAA tournament bid. Yeah. That's not a you would have you would have to win the SEC, SEC tournament. We don't know if that's going to even take place. So it's 
it, for me, it's a different kind of year to not know what's going to happen. But at least if you're winning, you control your own destiny. You know, so whatever they decide, you know, because even looking at uh, in football, you know, Ohio State got in. And it wasn't, you know, they didn't, they got in because they were a really good team. But guess what? They're undefeated. So what? some teams are 10 and 1, 11 and 0, but you can't, you can't say anything when they're 6-0, you know, and one of the top teams in their conference, which is a power five conference. So you have to respect that. But if you're looking at our record and even if it gets better, if we become a 500 team, it's still you're going you're gonna to be 500 in your conference. And this, this is the first time I've ever seen us be at the bottom of the standings in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Never seen that. Yeah. And you mentioned – how everything is up in the air this season. You know, they were South Carolina was next on the schedule. Well, after Louisville this Saturday, we're supposed to start conference play against South Carolina, but that game has been postponed because South Carolina has COVID issues in their program. So that's well, not not sure if they can beat South Carolina, but you gotta have games. You can't win games, you can't even play games. And and they really need right. wins any kind of way, and now this is another game just like that Detroit game. They tried a couple times to get that one scheduled and not able to get that game. Yeah. And now the same thing happening with, with South Carolina. Yeah, we right right now we're, we're searching for some victories. We're searching for someone that can, that can help us get a win right now. So that, that's where, like you said, is the scheduling, who you're going to play, what's going on in their program. We can't control none of that. You know what I'm saying? What happens another program, you know, was out of our reach. Um, so it's still a time where they can practice and kind of build some chemistry, build some cohesiveness. So it's not always a bad, a bad thing, you know, not to be playing. But when you've lost, like, the only way you're really going to start feeling good, you got to get a victory. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've got to get out there and, and turn that on. Not really turn it on, but, but punish someone else. Like, make someone else – you know, because you're probably having some tough practice now, and it's, it's more about, man, I'm, I can't wait to play someone so we, can, so we can take it out on them. And when you don't get that opportunity, and you got to keep waiting, waiting, waiting. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough for our young guys because, like I said, most of these guys have come from winning, winning programs, and this is a different kind of adversity where, you know, you in the spotlight, like games, televised games, Media gonna be in your locker. Media gonna be uh, writing up our reports. Then you gonna see things on Instagram and, and Twitter, you know. And for them, they follow social media, so social media can can break can break young young kids that aren't doing well because that's what they believe in and, and it motivates them. So right now, there's no motivation for them, other than okay, we lost another game. So we got to figure out. They have to figure out how to to turn this season around, and they don't have a lot of time. There was a – and, you know, winning would help a lot of this stuff, but uh, Cameron Fletcher has been sent home, according to Cal. Uh, he's, he's got a – Cal put out a tweet that the culture is not going to change, and, you know, you got to go by it, and that goes for everybody. There was he was upset on the sidelines at the end of the North Carolina game and, and went to the locker room early. Cal didn't come out to do the post game media session for several minutes. 
Keon Brooks came out and did the media. He didn't even play. There's a lot of uh, just as much stuff going on off the court as on the court right now. And uh, Kyle Tucker for the Athletic says there's a quote power struggle with between Cal and some of the other players. I don't know if it's Boston. Oh. Or I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's a right. lot. Of people it, is is KP being really missed as far as being that buffer like we talked about? Yeah, man. You know what? It's funny you say that because I was just telling someone, I say, this is where they miss KP, you know. And I'm not saying, like, he, you know, he has the force of mentality. He's big. And, you know, these are guys that he built a relationship with. These are guys he recruited. He spent time in their homes. He's traveled to watch them play on the road. He has a different kind of relationship with them. And not to say head coaches don't, but head coaches are really, you know, they have so many different things on their plate. And when you have that many things on your plate, really it's about my assistant coaches doing their job and making sure they um, keep the house in order. And it's hard to keep the house in order when you really don't know a kid that well. You know what I'm saying? Because you're recruiting, you're recruiting all these kids. And before you know it, it's like, man, do I really know this kid? Do I know his home life? You know, because these are still 18, 18 year old kids that just now leaving home. And you get homesick, you're losing. Not seeing your mom, you know, not used to that routine. You, you have college that you got to deal with now. You know, classes are harder. You're traveling. And that's a lot right now. I think winning would, would have, you know, would definitely help, help the situation. But you're not winning. You're probably not playing the way you want to be playing. You're not probably getting the playing time you get. You want to get. Uh, you feel like maybe the coach ain't calling enough plays for you. So we don't know what's going on. We don't know what was going on in Cam here, you know, but – how it is right now, you know, the temperature is different there. You know, it's just a different temperature than it has been in, in a few years for Coach Cal, and he has to figure out, like, how do I get this, this train back on the track? And that's what he's trying to do right now. He's just trying to see get this train back on the track, what do I have to do, and it's, it's really going to take a lot of help for his, his, his support staff because yeah. those – those that are who are helping them with the support staff, those guys, you know, got to speak up. But once again, you know, it's Cam. Who recruited Cam Fletcher? Who player is he? Because then it turns to that guy, like, okay, man, you got you have to get your guy in order. Like, what do we have to do? But when you when you're winning, that solves a lot of problems. Like a lot. Put it like this: there've been there've been organizations that I played in, and it wasn't the best organization, but we were winning, and it made it seem like everything was good. But when you're losing, I mean, everything is in open. And that's what it looks like for this team right now. And, you know, before before long, you'll start pointing the finger at each other. Oh, well, it's his fault. He's doing this. You know, and, and but there's turmoil in in the house. Yeah. And you got to figure out how to resolve that issue. And I think, like I said, this is going to be – it's probably been his toughest, toughest coaching job, not from uh, – you know, I'm not going to say from a talent standpoint, but just trying to figure out the roles of these guys. Who are these guys? You know, this is not high school anymore. So we got to figure out how can I make these guys the best collegiate players with them trying with – them, with getting them to buy in. Because it's hard to buy in when you're not winning. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're losing – if you're winning, you know, guys, they'll jump on the bandwagon. But when you're losing, man, everybody thinks they, they got the answer. They, oh, well, I need to shoot more. I, I can do this, you know. So – now everyone has the answer to, to us being a better team. When you're winning, you don't have to worry about all that stuff and guys are falling in line. But even when you lose a couple of games, 
you know, that when guys probably be selfish, you can get them get them to buy in too. But I just think where they are right now, they just got to really find themselves. And, you know, uh, they're desperate for a win. You saw the the move after after Mintz and Askew were struggling. You saw the move to Terrence Clark at the point, and, you know, Cal was trying to, to revisit what he did with Tyreek Evans at Memphis. Do you and they don't have a lot of time, like you said. Do you you still keep Clark at the point? Do you like what you saw from him, or do you? I like Clark. Like, um, I like Clark. I like um, I like his poise. I like his his size, his passing ability. And at this point, right now, it ain't gonna hurt anything. You know, I mean, this this is the perfect time to experiment with different players and kind of figure out what's best for you and what's best for your kids. And the quicker you figure it out. I think it really helps out the situation. So they just got to figure out what's going to work for them. And once they figure it out, then I think they'll, you know, they'll have to get the right rotation in. And I still think, you know, with, with this, that length and athleticism, um, they should be more of a presence on the inside. But, you know, there's still, there's still a lot of, lot, of, lot of season left. Um, you need that one game to turn around. But also getting these, all these extra practices in is not going to hurt anything. You know, it, it only helps to me. Yeah. So this Saturday is Louisville, oh, 1 o'clock. They, in their, not last night, the game before last, they got destroyed by Wisconsin, but they had several guys out. Uh, they beat Pitt last night on the road, so they at least got a, a win under their belt before they play the Cats, but both of them are, are struggling. Both of them need this game. <laughs> well, I, I think we need more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think anyone needs to win more than us right now. Yeah. And when you have a um, a local team that, like you said, against Wisconsin, if they had – having those players out makes a huge difference. You know, you got to go on the road. It wasn't – the good thing about playing the Badgers that it wasn't a hostile environment. I mean, I can understand that. But, you know, the score, I think, was 48 points. Yeah. So you, you you knew some guys were out, you know, because a team that's, that's played that well, you don't lay that kind of egg, uh, kind of an egg. It's different if you lose by five or ten points, but you lose by 30-plus, come on. We, we had to look – we got to look at the box score to be like, okay, what really happened here? Exactly. And it was it was evident. But, uh, no, we need, we need we need this win desperately. I mean, there is no other way to put it. Yeah. I mean, when I tell you, like, we got to go all out and – everything it's going to take to win this game and and they got to know they got to play for 40 minutes you can't just come and play a a, a good second half game and expect to be just little team not gonna happen that's the weird thing like you just said you know playing a 40 minute game which you know turnovers and going four or five minutes without scoring you can't do that but as bad as they've looked you know they, they got ran against georgia tech just got got ran but the same group of guys, they were up double digits on Kansas. They were up like seventeen to five in the first half, and they were up on Carolina nineteen to eight. You know, so you, you right. good enough to go up ten or twelve on some of these same teams, and then get ran in other games. So it just they just all over the place. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's, they just searching right now. I yeah. mean, and I, I think when when you have these games outside of Rupp Arena, which you know they haven't. Haven't played weather either. You know, I think it's just you're trying to find your groove right now. You're trying to get that rhythm, man. And, and I, I've been on, on a team, not in college. I mean, we had some good college teams, but 
NBA, man, we just trying to find a rhythm. And but the rhythm is we need to win. Like like when the players come in, they they discuss it, they talk about it. That's when it's real because you almost got to have a closed door meeting, and they got to be players only. But they're so young, they don't understand that. Like that would have to take a that would take a senior, junior, senior. Say, hey man, we got to hey let's have a team meeting. Who would call that team meeting? Who's going to be the one to come in and, and lead that team when 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 most of these guys have always been like the man, but you know they, they're they're too young to be the leaders right now. Mm-hmm. And for someone to call that meeting, I don't know who would be that guy. Because when I was in college, you know, we always had a veteran that could call a meeting and say, "Man, this is what we got to do. Let's 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 do our job." And this team just doesn't have that. So that's what really hurts them. Is it's probably not communication between them amongst them. Because if you can do that. You can go out there and, and you can figure out, okay, this is what we got to do. But if nobody talks, you're kind of waiting on the media, waiting on the coaches, it becomes hard. Yeah. It's all about rhythm and being on point. And when we're talking about life, clothing, casual clothing, suited and booted, you've mentioned it many times. You got to cap it off with that timepiece, no matter if you got the suit and tie on, if you got the just casual. Friday look, the jeans, sweatpants, a lot of terrain watch on your wrist sets everything off. You've been endorsing them for a while. They came on board and sponsored us here at Believe in Kentucky. Dave and Ben got several varieties of watches for fellas to choose from. Go in there and treat yourself to one or drop a hint to somebody else and get them to get you one. Either way, get yourself a lot of terrain watch and you'll be glad that you did. Yes, sir. Dave and Ben, I sent them, I sent them a message. So they're supposed to be working on me a different timepiece, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about you know what they what they're going to try to do for me. I saw I saw a timepiece that I like, and I kind of sent them a picture. So we're going to work on a a, a 2021 timepiece. But they are really uh, two remarkable guys with a great staff that I put out some really clean class watches. You know for for sporting events, um, for casual bit, like I said, professional events. Uh, you know, there's so many, so many events you can, you can wear these watches, but it's so close to Christmas, you know, like I said, hopefully someone is going to have to, when someone unwraps a gift, they have a lot to rain watch. And if not starting off in 2021, it's a great new year's present as well. So, you know, start your, start this 2021 when it comes, Let's start it off the right way by having a nice La Terrine timepiece on your wrist. So you're telling me, you know, people can go to the jewelry store and get their jewelry customized or, or take two pieces and combine them into a new piece of jewelry. You're, you're telling me Dave and Ben and La Terrine are about to customize a TD watch? That's what you're saying? Man, we talking about it, man. We, we trying to figure this thing out. You know, we uh, we're, we are... Uh, we're in discussion, we're back and forth, but, you know, we probably gonna have to get on the phone call and kind of let them know what I'm looking for and uh, how that timepiece needs to be looking on my wrist. Lots of rain. And then if it looks, look, hey, think about this, if it looks good on my wrist, that means I'm going to post it, people going to see it, and they're going to be like, hey, we like that watch. Yep. That's, where can we find that watch? Lotterrain.com, that's where you go to get them. Absolutely. Check out the site. And as always, every episode of Believe in Kentucky will 
B posted on a sea of blue. Jason Markham and the fellas put each episode on their site. And as always, go to believe.com. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe. Give us those five stars on the Apple Podcast. Go straight to the site at believe.com. If you want to advertise your business or product, go to believe.com and let them know you like to advertise on Believe in Kentucky. My other my bad TD with the the NBA really kicking off tonight. You know, we had a couple games last night, but everybody plays tonight. My other my bad is me as a Rockets fan, you know, I, I was excited to see Wall and Cousins because it, it had been a minute since there were some UK guys on Houston squad. I kept saying, you know, this is the first time the UK guy's been there since Chuck Hayes. And I kept forgetting, you know, they drafted Terrence Jones in 2012. T. Jones was down there for yeah. a that's, That was my bad for forgetting about T. Jones. So, right, right. So hold on. So are, are they going to be able to play tonight? Because I heard that uh, both of those guys might be out tonight. So how true is that? I think they both tested negative. You had Kenyon Martin Jr. with some contact tracing stuff, and and James Harden down there just doing whatever. Like he's- <laughs> okay, J- James Harden is being James Harden is being James Harden right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in the club without a mask like Lou Williams, and I'm gonna force them to trade me. I'm gonna get a whole team to force a trade. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, it's one thing to be professional, but it's another thing when you're not happy. And he's 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 doing both right now. He's not happy, and he's not being unprofessional. So he really has to figure out what's going to be best for him and his situation, which that's what he's trying to he's trying to do right now, but. To force their hand lets you know how much power he's had in that organization for for some time. Unbelievable, and it's and you know they had the leverage. He still had years on his contract. They didn't have to be in a hurry, you know, as far as that whole who's got the leverage, the player or the team, and all that. But you know, it's it's. Maybe it's time. The window is closed with him, and look, it was a good run. You were a hamstring injury away from maybe making it to the finals. So yeah. Maybe just part ways and move on. But I think you have to do it sooner than later. I think you have to do it, you know, hopefully. Well, I know, you know, there, there's been discussion just trying to figure out where it is that he can go and make sense. And, you know, teams around the league know that they're desperate right now. And when you're desperate, you can't really make a whole lot of decisions as far as, like, you know, what you, what you can get back in return. Because, of course, you're not going to get the same value in return for James Harden. And although he's talking to a couple different teams, is you can't get back something in return when we know, you, when we know that that player don't want to be there. So you're not just going to hold us hostage with saying, okay, hey, let's give we, – we're going we're gonna to overhaul our team to make you happy. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, we um, I text you earlier today because you know, every now and then I put out on Twitter or Facebook, so I got questions for TD. Yeah. Send them my way. And, and people have sent in questions. Got another one the other day from Chris in Madisonville, Kentucky, because he heard about the podcast Saturday listening to the pregame show because the homie Reggie Hansen was shouting us out on the podcast with Jack Givens and Buzz Baker because they'll have a oh, it was. Okay. every week. Reggie mentioned the podcast. Chris heard it, so he started listening. And so he sent in a couple questions for you. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
and let's see, let me here it is. He um and some of them we we hit on previous episodes, but I love talking this kind of stuff with you anyway. But you know, who's the toughest person for you to guard in college and in the NBA? The pers- toughest person you had to defend was his right. I don't, you know what? I think in college it was, I would have to say like a Daryl Wilson. Daryl Wilson was a tough guard because he, we kind of had similar games. We played alike. And when you play like someone, you know, they kind of know who you are and know your tendencies. So I think that was a player that was tough to play against in college. And he was really good coming off pin downs and being able to shoot the ball. And another really good player, um, I like the guards from the guards from um, from UMass, Trevi Aso and Padilla. Those were like solid, hard. Those guys, you know, we couldn't we couldn't rattle those guys. You know, I didn't play against them all the time. Just that those two times in 1996, both were just tough, tough guards because you couldn't rattle. They were solid. Um, they were veteran guys. And NBA, uh, I thought Iverson was a tough guard, but the toughest might have been Damon Stoudemire. Um, and he was so fast. He was so fast. And when he was in Toronto, along with Portland, he was a tough guard because you don't see a lot of left-handed quick players that can shoot. Mm. So that made it tough for me to defend him because I was so used to guarding right-handed players. And you don't see left-hand players all the time. You know, so even when I see a left-hand player now as I'm training kids, you know, I'm seeing a lot more now, like a lot more left-handed basketball players. But he was just – Damon Stoudemire was just so fast, man. He had a quick release. He could shoot well off the pick and roll. He had range. He had a nice little floater going to the basket. He had some savvy with him, and he was a scorer. And we faced each other once in college, and we beat them on the uh, in Maui on the last second tip in by Jeff Brassall. Yeah. So – Mighty man. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I, I can't leave out Kobe Bryant. Kobe was uh, – Kobe was Michael – I always said Michael with better ball handling skills. Hmm. So – and then a better three-point shot. He shot a lot more threes because during that time, you know, you start seeing more more and more twos and threes. Um, that's just small four, forward and shooting guard take more threes. And then this is handle. You know, he can get to anywhere he wants to. He was great with palm fakes, jab, step, spinning, post up. He was just like Michael. My, Michael with, with, with better handles. To me, like – There'd be times a dude would guard Kobe about as good as you could, force him to pick up his dribble, then stay down, and Kobe would pump fake two or three times, and the dude wouldn't bite on him. Right. He still just raise up and just shoot right over you, flat footed, and just yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, <laughs> what else can you do? You stopped him, didn't bite on his pump fakes, and then he still just elevated over you and, and knocked it down. Well, I can tell you this right now. He practiced that a lot. And that's what I try to tell kids is that you got to practice moves a hundred to a thousand times. So not only to get you to believe it, you get other people to believe it. You know what I'm saying? Like when you see that shot, you're like, okay, man, that, that wasn't a lucky shot. You know, it's, it's like watching Kyrie make shot off the glass, left hand and right hand kissing, kiss off the glass, the, the short shots, man. And when you start seeing it, you be like, that's a part of his arsenal. That's real. That's what he works on. So I try to get kids to buy into what you practice on and, and how you build your confidence at practice. You're going to try it in the game, and once you start doing the game, it, it becomes a part of your routine. So really just try to figure out what's your routine as far as shooting and making shots, 
And going back to Kobe, his ability to make tough shots is what really separated him, separated him from, from so many other players in the game. But he, print, he spent countless hours working on that part of his game. You know, and that's where, I, you know, you look at the body of work of, of so many great players that spend like all those hours just perfecting like a shot, you know, until they get that shot down, then they move on to another shot. But I have to have perfection with this shot before I can move on to the next, the next step, you know, because there's always layers to this that kids want to skip. They want to skip stages of being a really good player. But you got to take your time to – so for myself, I spent so many hours shooting mid-range shot, mid-range, mid-range, one dribble pull-up, two dribble pull-up, uh, just everything mid-range. And then when I was comfortable with my mid-range shot, that's when I started working on the three. But the kids now – just only want to shoot threes. And I'm just like, it doesn't work like that. If we can get you to start with layups, being really good at layup, then we get to mid-range. And then the third part of shooting should be your three. But you can't master that unless you can master, you know, the in-between game. And kids don't want to, kids don't want to buy into that. They just want to shoot threes. I'm like, it's great to shoot them, but what, what, what when they start, I said, scouting report is going to have a guy closing out to you to chase you off the three-point line. And what you going to do? You don't have a mid-range shot. The big is going to step up outside the paint, and you're not comfortable taking that shot. And you're right about, you know, just watching, you know, some of the, the two NBA NBA games last night, and you sent me a funny text about uh, Paul, Paul George, and I'm like, a great regular season game that doesn't mean anything to me. That's how, that's how I felt when I, when I saw the box score at the end of the game. I said, that was a meaningless, that was a meaningless 30-plus points. Really, it was. Mm-hmm. I drunk the Kool-Aid on the Clippers last year because, look, I we all did. <laughs> I hate the Lakers the way you hate the Cowboys. So when <laughs> when the Clippers they played last year on opening opening night, Lakers Clippers, Clippers beat them. Paul George, Kawhi, they got this you know great long defense on the wings. Pat Beverly out there harassing you 94 feet. Oh, they're going to – the Clippers, They they here they come. They, they're ready. They beat the Lakers last year opening night. The second time they played the Lakers, the Clippers won that. Then the Lakers won the last two regular season games. And then, of course, we know the, the Clippers didn't even make it to the conference finals to play the Lakers. So, ain't, this year nobody's taking the Clippers seriously to the playoffs. So, like you said, nobody even blinked about what happened last night. Man, I, I, I'm like, I could care less. That, that game meant nothing to me. Now, it might have been something to the Clippers organization that uh-huh. said, oh, we beat the, the defending champion <laughs> on, 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 the, on their floor, really, because it's still their floor, whether it's home game, weight game, it's the Lakers floor. They just ran the building. So, really, when it counts, it's going to be five or six months from now when we get ready for the playoff. You know, are, are you going to be a team to meet them in, in the semifinals? That's what I want to see. Nobody, want, nobody cares. Real fans don't care about no regular season. Yeah. And real fans going to be like, okay, can y'all beat us when it really counts? Can, can you beat our team four times when it really counts? Mm-hmm. I just don't think, the, I don't, I don't think they can. You know, and plus the Lakers with so many added, so many new pieces that they added, you know, it's going to take time for you know, that chemistry to, uh, to come together. But, you know, the, the, two main, the two main pieces, players, LeBron and, LeBron and AD, they haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. So now we just they just retooled and, and gave us some better offensive pieces around them, but those guys are locked in. Like I, I'll be shocked if the Lakers didn't you know didn't win it in 2021. I would be. I just think they are the best team with the best player still in the game, mm-hmm. who played less minutes, who probably won't see as much playing time 
this year as he has in the past, which is, you know, <laughs> we, we all, 18 years, man, come on. Yeah. How many guys can say they got that many? 18 years with a job, 18 years in the marriage. I mean, it's a, that's a that's longevity, man. Mm-hmm. So, but I really want to talk about, you know, just how KD played, you know, after being off for so many games, man. It was easy. He looked, he looked flawless. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, he's such an efficient shooter. And he doesn't really need the ball a lot. You know, you give him 15 to 20 quality shots, he's going to get you about 11 to 12 field goals. And I, I think that that's what allows him to be able to play with a Westbrook, a KD, a Steph, or Clay. is, you know what, I don't need all those shots. Mm-hmm. I, make the ones I, I make the ones I take, I'm going to have a high percentage. And he, he's not ball dominant. And that's what makes it hard for me to think that James Harden going to go somewhere with some other good players and not be ball dominant. He's been that way for the last, what, seven, eight years since he's been in, in Houston. And it's hard for an older player to go back to what's can help, what can help his team out. And that is, you know, being able to take less shots, but taking quality shots. And I just can't see him coming off averaging, what, 35, 36 points per game. And you want him to drop from 36 to like 23, 24. Uh, that's going to be tough for him. He, he, don't, he only knows how to play one way. And I think that's where he's going to struggle at, you know, in the new system with, with uh, Coach Silas is that I don't know what kind of system they're going to run, but it's not going to be the one that Danny Tony ran. Mm-hmm. And Dan Tony and, and Nash, they had the Nets look – they looked like they were in midseason for him last night. Forget the first game, they were, they were rolling. Yeah. Well, you know what, when you got like Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, um, KD, Kyrie, they have a lot of shot makers, man. And Joe Harris is really good. You know, he's he's a, you know, he's 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 turned into a good player from Virginia. But um, they have four or five guys that can create shots. And if when you have that, that is a hard offense to guard. They all can they all can can create shots. They all can shoot threes. They all have mid range games. They all can finish at the basket well. So that team to me, if if I was if I'd have done a trade, it would have been James Harden, but I, I would have did that trade before the season started because I think the Nets know what they have in LeVert, Dinwiddie, and um, I think Jared Allen. So that's what I would want I would have wanted for James Harden and maybe a couple couple first or second round draft pick. Like like, you know, that made sense. Like that's to me a great deal for Houston. Um, but I don't think Brooklyn wanted to go for the deal. Because you really want to break a team up like that, especially with um, Kyrie and KD having, you know, having so many injuries during their careers, you know, during their career. And that makes it tough to give up one of your good pieces. But, you know, James Harden can pick up. Like I said, if you lose a KD, you know James can get you 30-plus. Kyrie, you know James can still get you 30-plus. So it's a slippery slope for me, for, uh, for Sean Marks, what he's going to decide to do as far as, like, is he going to – make the trade or is he going or is James Harden going to go to Philly? But <laughs> it remains to be seen where he goes. But he, he won't be in Houston yeah. for the rest of this year. He'll be there for the rest of the year, but I don't, I don't think in 2021 he will be there. Yeah, yeah. something got to give. Oh, Chris's last question was if was GP, Gary Payton for you youngsters. <laughs> the glove. Talker, or was or or was there somebody that talked more trash than him? Or was GP the leader when it came to, to talking? Man, GP was the leader of the clubhouse, man. GP talked <laughs> cash trash. 
he talked so much, man. I was like, dude, but you know what? But he backed it up, though, you know, and, and he backed it up because he played so hard on, on defense. You know, like he he really wanted to lock you down and get up in you take. He wanted to take your game away. And by taking your game away, he took your game away mentally by talking to you and then getting up in your head physically. So he, he was an imposing force at the point guard position, and that's how he got the name the glove. You know, he put that glove on, man. It's like, hey, hey, I'm covering your, I'm covering your hands. You can't do nothing. And he really did perform on both sides of the ball. And he became, like you say, you know, him and him and Rain Man, Sean Kemp, those people who don't know who Rain Man is, man, them dudes, man, they, they were like one of the best duos out West for a long time. I got a question about that in a minute too. Did you, but did you just tune GP out or did you, did you talk back to him every now and then? Or did you do, it had to be hard to ignore it all game long, I guess. You know, I, I thought with us and when we played, there was a respect factor there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I played hard, I competed, and there really was nothing for us to discuss. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, I'm going, I can go back at you. You know, it's not like I'm one of those guys that couldn't play, but, you know, GP had, he had the green light, which mm -hmm. that's what you expect out of, a, out of a, a superstar at that time. You know, they can talk their trash, and it's just a, a regular role player is guarding them. They know this dude can't stop me because I can shoot whenever I get ready. So I'm comfortable doing what I got to do. He was, um, you know, and I think he also taught a lot of people the game too. You know, he wasn't only just talking trash. You know, he also was like, hey, man, you know, this is what you need to work on in the, in the offseason. So he, he was also a mentor. And, you know, we still talk. Every time I see him, you know, from the Bay Area, I played out there for two years. We have some of the same mutual friends and, you know, I can pick up the phone and call him if I need to. And if I need something, I know he will come. You know, he he would definitely be there for me. Yeah, that's that's cool. After the after the battles is over and there was respect why you was going at it. Yeah. Now that you're done, you still it's all good after that and you're still cool and you know, he and your phone, you and his phone and y'all right. just fall away. That's that's the way it's supposed well, to be. you gotta you gotta think what it is, it's really a fraternity. It's a a big fraternity of, of men who started out as kids having this dream of playing professionally. And we, just, we, we lived out our dream. Yeah. So, you know, that's where we kind of become close. And, you know, we see each other. There's so much respect because everyone had a different journey to make it. But once you make it, it's like, man, we one of the one of the 5,000 men that, that, that have played this game. You know, that's, a, that's an elite group of players. Yeah. Um, that could say that fraternity is only 5,000 plus yeah. and it's been around for 50, 60, 70 years. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. That don't happen. Yeah. So definitely thank Chris for the question. I appreciate everybody listening. Y'all listeners out there got more questions. Send them our way. You know, Vinny Hardy on Twitter or Facebook or, you know, go to the, the comment section on Apple Podcast, send your questions in, and, and we'll definitely get to them. My question, too, because we, we mentioned in this era of the NBA, and I was wondering, you know, you were a young player. You hadn't been in the NBA long, a couple years in. How did you handle the lockout in 99 or the rumors when they were saying it's going to be a lockout, and here you just not getting into the league a couple years, breaking in, finding right. a way? What did you do when they were saying it was coming? Then what did you do when it actually came and, and there was no games that season and, and the league came to a halt? I'm going to tell you, 
I was more concerned about my money. Because <laughs> that, that was year three of my of my con, my rookie deal, and it was the year I was gonna make uh, make my most money. And uh, I was like, man, I'm about to lose like four or five hundred thousand dollars. That's all I could see, man. I, I could, you know, I was young. I was only what twenty twenty four. Yeah. And that happened. So you know, I have my had my little. I had created a little lifestyle. I really hadn't come into like you know a lot of. Uh, I hadn't bought a lot of things, but. Still, no, when you lose like three or four hundred thousand dollars, man, it, that hurts. It hurts your pocket. Mm. And I just thought about, well, when can we start this season? But you still have to get a good deal that's comfortable, that com- comfortable for everyone, you know, all parties involved. And as a player, uh, you want to be in a, in a position where you have some leverage. And most of the guys who have made a lot of money, you know, they can hold out longer. You know, when you first coming in the league, you know, that, that paycheck is, is all you're really getting. You don't have a second or third stream of income. For those guys that were eight, nine years in and some of the higher, higher profile players, they, was, they, had, they probably made 50, 60, 70, 80 million dollars. So it was much tougher on us as, as rookies and second and third year players. We didn't have it. We didn't have a lot of money. But, you know, if you had time and we knew that was going to happen, you know, you have to prepare like it's going to be a whole season. And I don't think players were really prepared for no more than about one or two months. And when it started getting into month three and four, then that's when players started to panic. And no matter what deal came about, they was going to sign that deal. And it wasn't a great deal for us as we signed it. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the rain man, you know, pre-lockout, post-lockout, he, he just wasn't the same after that lockout. You know, Cleveland, Sean Kemp, you know, he just – Never got back to the same shape he was in, you know, once that lockout hit as far as Sean Kemp's. Yeah, you, you can see guys, you know, just, you know, that's the one thing I tell people about taking care of your body. You know, it, it's, it shows even later in life, like how much you care, how much time you put in, you know, and I think that's where so much LeBron gets so much respect yeah. is he puts so much into his body and, and you see it. You see it on the court. Like he has, he has a, a great part, a great product, and we have a, a great product. Nike gonna invest billions of dollars into that product, and that's kind of like what they did with Michael and Kobe. LeBron is that they knew those guys love basketball, and they, and and the product was good. We we can put a nice shoe on the product, and it's gonna we're gonna get we're gonna make our money back. Mm-hmm. Um. This you mentioned uh, Ohio State getting in, only playing six games and in the playoff, and it's kind of the, the usual suspects: Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. But I mean, Notre Dame is just gonna get in there and get beat down, just like they got beat down against Clemson. It's funny you said that. We we all we all know what the end results gonna be like. They shouldn't be there, <laughs> but but they are there. You know, like I said, one loss, but. Um, you said it best. Um, you know, teams have been good. Alabama's been good. Clemson has been good, you know, and Ohio State has been solid. So they are probably – I thought Texas A&M should have got in. I thought Jimbo Fisher put up a – hit a lot of good points. They're losing Alabama, who is the number one team in the country. That's never a bad loss. So why should Notre Dame get in before Texas A&M? I, I couldn't figure that one out, especially in the better conference. But you know that's that's not for my that's not my decision. That's uh that's a committee that, that came up with okay, 
we don't want to have two teams in the SEC. We want to, we want a team from from every conference. But I think you got to pick the four best teams and let those teams play against each other. I, I just don't think Notre Dame is is one of the four best teams. Maybe one of the six best teams, but not the four best teams. Mm-hmm. And they say it's better to lose early than lose late. Well, Notre Dame just lost last week. Yeah. Texas A&M lost to Alabama several weeks ago. Now, they yes. get in there and, and get smoked again by Alabama. It's very possible. But mm-hmm. they lost a couple months ago. And, and supposedly it's better if you lose early than lose late. But Notre Dame still is in there, even though they just lost. And well, also, no, also think about this. Notre Dame with Texas A&M, which one would you want in the Final Four? Off oh, of name profile. Off oh, of name. They'll win every time. Yes, no, so so that's that's how they viewed it too. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame with Texas A&M, people rather see Notre Dame, and they let, and that's it. End the story. <laughs> the same thing. This happened, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Oklahoma in the Big Twelve title game got destroyed by Kansas State, and and the next week they were still in. I think it was the BCS back then. Oklahoma still made the BCS. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, your last game. Well, not always. Depending on who you are. You still get to get on in there. <laughs> well, I think you you said it best. I think, like I said, it depends on who you are. You know, so certain names carry more weight, and that's just how it is. I mean, that's that's because at the end of the day, it's gonna come down to what your TV view is. What who do they want to see? Like, I don't want to see no although Texas A and M unless they were like number one all year. I don't really know a lot about Texas A and M, but when you bring you say Notre Dame, we all know about Notre Dame. So there, there, there ain't no question which team you would prefer watching and which team the network would rather have on is Notre Dame. So Texas A&M, I don't care if they lost by one point, they still going to be behind Notre Dame. They're going to be a close, a close fourth, I mean fifth. And that was, about, that was, that was all it was going to be because they wasn't going to put them ahead of them. Just wasn't going to happen. Exactly. Man, you know, you got to – Give credit where credit is due to to your Titans again. Your, your man Derrick Henry got another massive highlight for him. Uh, hey man, I can tell you this right now: you better not come run over there with your head up. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you better have your head down, man, trying to tackle that dude's ankles, man. But if you come with there running with your with, if you see your face, if you see your helmet, <laughs> good luck, man. You you better have you better have a strong neck. That's all I can tell you, cause uh. The way he be pushing dudes down, I'd be like, "Oh man, he did my he's look, he looked like a little baby. He was a baby." <laughs> I just saw a little article because I, I I I looked it up. I said, "Who is number forty three for the Lions?" <laughs> his name is Alexander Myers. He like that was his first game. He like just come up from the practice squad <laughs> and he thrown out there to try to tackle Derrick Henry. Hey man, the article said his <laughs> coordinator said. After the game, he said, you deserve that stiff arm. He said, we showed you on film. We told uh-huh. you if you come up on him with that kind of angle, that's what's going to happen. So you deserve to get that. He said we, – Hey, man. He, he might have stepped on him back to the practice squad. You know what I'm saying? He, he might have – he stepped on him so hard. I was like, oh, man. Like, he just did that to a grown man. <laughs> Which one was nastier, that one or the one he got on Norman oh. a few weeks ago? I think that one was uh, that one had to be the nastiest one. Yeah, cause like I said, with, with that one, man, it was so it was so fun because 
he looked like a practice squad uh, practice squad player. The way he was running, he was running hard. Like, man, I'm about to, I'm about to. He he was so excited about being ready to tackle Derrick Derek Henry, man. He he just forgot everything that he probably watched in film since. He's like, man, I see Derrick Henry. I'm about to get on TV. They about to YouTube this. Yeah, you're right. You got on TV, and they're gonna be YouTubing him pushing you down into the uh, into the dirt, into that, into down beneath the uh, the, the stadium because he got pushed down so hard. I was like, he. But now that you say he's a practice squad player, I understand, you know, because now you're thinking in your mind, man, I'm trying to make this team. So you ain't thinking about what you just watching film session him with that with that strong stiff arm, stiff arm on so many players that you just hey, that that slipped your mind. You just thought about I'm about to tackle Derrick Henry, and you and hey, and they, as they say, uh, come on, man. That's <laughs> right. That's right. It's, <laughs> that made me think of another guy from. Your home state of Tennessee, the 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 late great Reggie White. You know, if those offensive linemen would think, well, he's he's about to just use his speed to go around me, and then he would take that arm and just sling you and go right inside where you didn't think he was going. And he would take right. down linemen with one hand, Hall of Fame offensive tackles, and just throw them out the way, just the same way. This Henry reminds me of. The way Reggie White used to do offensive linemen, just throwing them around. Hey man, like I say, hey, he, he got grown man strength, and when you have grown man strength, you bet. Hey, a young man better not run up on a grown man because the results ain't gonna, the results not gonna be in his favor, and that's just how it is. You know, you just gotta know, okay, man, this dude, this is what he does for a living, and I think I'm just gonna run up on him and tackle him. No, dude, and same thing on the offensive line. Like you gotta be prepared. You know, when you go against him. Aaron Donald, man, them dudes are, they're elite for a reason. They don't just say they're the best in, at their position. When you when you can be considered the best in the league, you are a, a special player. That's what makes that's what makes LeBron so great, man. He's been dominant for so many years. He's been like seemed like he's been a grown man since he when he came in at 18, he was a grown man. Mm-hmm. That first game, I remember watching. I was like, and you know, he was back. In some of the first high school games you see on ESPN, you know, and now you now they're all the time on, you know, you can watch anybody that's four or five star on ESPN, ESPN two or ESPN U or whatever. But LeBron's games was on in high school when he was in Akron. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, okay, now we playing in the NBA. Let's see. I remember turning it on. They was playing Sacramento. Let me see what he's all about. And he was like 25, 8, and 7 first game and, and been doing it, like you said, for 18 years. Yeah. It's real. I mean, there, there ain't no other way to put it. It's real. I mean, that's that's how he gets down. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you – and, like, I, I, I'm i going to go back to, like, what I said about his body is that his body speaks for who he is as a as a player, is that he's always cared about what he looked like, how he performed. And I think that allows you to play that much longer when you you invest in your body. And he, he, I don't think anyone has invested more in their body – than LeBron James. Yeah. Well, definitely had to give your man Derrick Henry some love for your for your Titans. Appreciate that, man. Uh, although your Cowboys got to win, I know Zeke talking about the playoff. Y'all division so bad. You're right. Y'all might actually sneak into the playoff. It might be one of the worst teams in the history of a game getting in. Yeah. That's, that's how, tell me this. How do you feel about that? Your team getting into the playoff? Like, would that make you happy? You'd be like, man, we had a successful season. Or you'd be like, man. They need, they need to put somebody else ahead of us. I mean, you this, 
you would take it. I wouldn't say it would be successful. You remember that year, I don't know, a few years ago when Seattle was like seven and nine and won their division and the Saints were really good and the Saints had to go to Seattle. But then that's when when Beast Mode had his big stiff arm and Seattle won that game. He stiff armed he stiff arm him in the next week. I mean, anything can happen once you're in there. You won right. your division. Your division is garbage, but somebody got to win it, and they get the True whole game. So you'll take it. Uh, <laughs> if they sneak in there, I'll take it. But <laughs> You look like a dude that would take that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but they honestly, yeah, kind of they, better oh, off, they better off just re- restocking that offensive line and, and getting some help for the secondary in the draft right now. But Yeah. Be honest with you, you ain't never lying. So, but well, that's good. Nowhere near what it was, but yeah, man, we done cranked out another good one. Cats and cars this weekend. You about to get in some work in the gym. You got a custom La Terrain watch coming. So, I mean, can't tell you nothing. But uh, appreciate everybody tuning in and listening, and hope you enjoy this one just like they enjoyed all the other ones. Absolutely, I'm gonna wish everyone. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And may we have an even better and blessed 2021. I'm looking forward to that 2021 year. And hopefully we can get it off right. And lots of rain. You got to send my man Vinny a watch. Me a new time piece so we can start our new year out looking at something on our wrist. Let's make it happen, lots of rain. Dave, man, do what y'all do, man. Take care of us. Y'all listening. You know they're going to be listening, so they, they got to hear it. We'll, I hope they get right on it. <laughs> <laughs> for the Hall of Famer, for the double zero, Tony Duck, this is Vinny Hardy. Been another amazing episode of Believe in Kentucky. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. 2021 is almost here. Everybody enjoy their time off, and we'll see y'all next time. Deuces. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.